Today, we continue talking about building an investment portfolio, a spiritual one, your life. That's next, here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We take our finances and we invest them and we diversify a little bit here, a little bit there in hopes that it will all cumulatively grow. Do we do that with our lives? And how do we do that if that's our desire, which we pray it is? Well, that's the subject today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. How to invest your life. That's the subject out of Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Let's catch up with Pastor Phil now and today's broadcast of Truth For Today. I met with elders and deacons yesterday morning. We met at 8.30. We left at about 12. You know what? Most of all of our elders and deacons are laymen. They're on jobs. One of our deacons didn't make it. And we prayed with him today. He said, pray. She said on the couch in my office, he said, I just worked 70 hours this week. He said, just take the grace of God to keep me going. I'm exhausted, but I wanted to be with you. Do you think God sees them, these men serving? Helping the pastor overlook all the affairs of the church? Thank you, elders and deacons. You're a grand group of men. You love God. All these worship ministries. I meet here, 7.30, a lot of Sundays. Bill Smith does all this stuff free. We don't pay him a dime. They're crazy. They ought to get paid. I think of Christia Day. She was trained with another gal to sing opera. She was trained to sing highbrow. She can do it. When we dedicate this building, she sang with one of our brothers. And my, it was crescendo. It was powerful. The gal she was trained with is on the professional circuit. She asked Christy, says, what do you charge for your voice when you sing at the church? She said, oh, no, I, I don't charge. She said, you're crazy. We were trained to be good, and we're trained to be paid. I was with Christy in Brentwood, Tennessee, at a music conference where she wept for a week as God shrunk up the prima donna in her heart and turned her into a servant. My voice isn't for sale. I give it all to you, Jesus. I'm going to sing for the glory of God. I'm not going to charge a song to sing about Jesus and sue you if you use it because that's how I make my living. It's like that, you know, that song leader said, God gave me this song and I'm going to sue you if you use it. Do you do anything for God that's not connected to money? What are you sowing to? Are you serving? Do you wash anybody's feet for Jesus? Oh, I'm, beneath, I'm above that. That's your problem. You're living after the flesh right there. You're living for yourself. I was kind of amazed at uh, Katie when the woman came here for women's ministries. Here, Katie, been on a fast-track education, got a, her bachelor's, went to Dallas, did a master's in three years, which is, let me tell you, you do good to finish it in six years. It's no Twinkie program. Worked in different churches, looking for a place. The thing that turned her into water and took all of her ambition 
when she found out she could just help neglected women in the third world. She wasn't for sale. She wanted to know what she could do to bring Christ to needy women. Does God ever grip your heart to sow to the Spirit? You know, I, when I asked Carolyn to marry me, I was 64. The earth's crust was just hardening. I, I remember saying to her, I said, all I can offer you, Carolyn, is loyalty, for I have no money, and the people I preach for will pay me no money. She knew that because her grandfather was a poor preacher, and her uncle took a church for $50 a week. We knew ministry and money didn't go together in those days. We were in the poor side of the church. I said, I just promise not to run out on you. I just promise that whatever we have, we'll share. But I feel I must preach and teach, though there's no money there. But I think it's worth it. And my first full-time job was $250 a month for 60 hours a week. That's 200, what is that? 240 hours a month for $250. And they took the tithe out of it before they paid me. So they paid me $225. You know what I did? I taught 14 units daytime, 14 units night, and thought I was in heaven. What did she do? She went to work for Lawrence Radiation Lab so she'd keep her husband free teaching at a school that had no money to pay him. Oh, what stupid financial fools. No, no, please don't feel sorry for us. There are students from there still pastoring, still praying, still resting their salvation on the grace of God. There's a lot more to life than sex, food, and money. It's sowing in the things of the Spirit and reaping things that are eternal. Think of the Andersons. John had the money. Down there at Houston, he was a wheeling dealer. Had a, he probably given more money to drugs than you give to this church. And going nowhere, life left him a pauper. And when he stumbled into a rescue mission in San Diego, he finally found a cause worth living for as he picked up a new life in Christ and now invests the rest of his life. So in the things of the Spirit, and God will not be mocked, he will see to it that you have a great reaping and it will be the quality of eternal life. Sometimes the harvest is not in this life, but don't you forget, if you've done it in Jesus' name, if you gave a cup of water in his name, if you gave an offering in his name, if you gave a lesson in his name, God will see to it that you reap. That's his eternal law. You will reap where you've sown. Sow your life. Sow your life. Let me uh, just tell you the dangers of sowing your life. There's some dangers, some perils. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I read last night again Spurgeon's classic treatment of this called the minister's fainting fits. It is, I read it often. It is a great encouragement. Fainting fits. 
as he called them. And he says, two dangers we face in sowing, even good things in the Spirit. We lose heart, and we become weary. Now, let me give you some of the reasons I think this happens. Number one, people are very draining. And most of our investing in the Spirit involves doing things for people. Calvin said this, This precept is especially necessary because we are naturally lazy in duties of love. And many stumbling blocks hinder and put off even the well-disposed. We meet with many unworthy, many ungrateful people. The vast number of the needy overwhelm us. There's more needs than we can keep up with. We are drained by paying out on every side. Our warmth is damped by the coldness of others. Finally, the whole world is full of hindrances which turn us aside from the right path. Therefore, Paul does well to confirm our efforts so that we do not faint through weariness, draining people. I think the second thing is delayed results. Why so long? My, there just seems so much crop failure. You know, I, I long to see people saved, but uh, in a pastorate such as this, I don't see three people a month saved from my preaching. Sometimes I'm glad that you just stay awake. I don't know what it's accomplishing. I sow, I sow. I was an evangelist at one time that your success for the week's meeting was how many came forward. And I've had many pressure me, you don't make enough altar calls. Well, maybe I don't want to be disappointed. I'm not good at evangelism. I'm more of a Bible teacher. But sometimes you sow and you sow. Average sermons, oh, cost me usually about 20 hours. I can't walk hardly some Saturdays because... I've been reading and studying, and Carolyn tells me, do you ever get out of a book? I said, not as long as I've got to feed a flock. I don't want to recycle old stories. I want to preach from a burning bush. So it keeps me digging all the time. I thought it'd get easier after 36 years, but now it takes me twice as long to read because I fall asleep while I'm reading. And all you over 60 said, Amen. Let's show a little mercy around here. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes the harvest. William Carey, when he went to India, was there seven years before his first convert. And finally, he had a convert after seven years. A Hindu man came to Christ, and William Ward, who was there, he wrote when he saw him baptized, he said, You gods of stone and clay, did you not tremble when in the triune name One soul shook you from his feet as dust. I saw a Hindu man say goodbye to all of his idols in one baptism fount, baptized in the name of the triune God. Sometimes it takes a long time to have any fruit. That's the way some of you praying wives feel. You've been waiting on your husband for years. You wonder, will it ever happen? Sometimes one of our dangers, I think, in the harvest is that You don't realize it, but it will creep up on you. You've quit loving, but you continue working. And uh, you see this in people that work with children. You can see it all over. They still teach the lesson, but there's a harshness in them. 
There's no Christ coming through. Uh, their main goal is to get the 50 minutes behind them and tell uh, the boy and girl, be still. And everybody knows they're miserable, but they still show up. And we keep you on because we don't have anyone to replace you. And it's exactly what happened to Ephesus. I know you still work hard, but the work has replaced a worshiping heart, for you no longer have your first love. You've just become a worker in the church. You're no longer a worshiper. The work drives you. The budget drives you. Putting out the fires of the congregation drives you. It used to be you're head over heels in love with Christ, and you had an overflow. How many Sundays have I preached when my first love had already been extinguished, and I was as cold as the people I preached to? You constantly have to be coming back and repenting of the idolatry of your heart and ask God to give you love in the midst of the work. I think something else is uh, labor without prayer. You saints don't know this. You think I uh, am next to God. But some weeks I spend more time on the sermon than I do on my knees praying for you. Sometimes I can't justify praying because I'm under the deadline of getting notes produced if I'm teaching during the week. I've got to get the work done. I've got to get the notes out. I, gotta do, I don't have time to pray over it. I don't have time to pray over you because, you know, just having right answers is what works anyway. Not praying for people. That's, that's what old fogies used to do. This crowd doesn't need a praying pastor. You need just someone that can exegete Greek. And so he says in Isaiah... Your young men will faint and your old men will grow weary because you're not waiting on me. When you wait on me, I renew you. And I love what Isaiah 65, 5 says when he says, no one has ever heard of a God like you that you work on behalf of those who wait on you. You wait and I'll work. Do you remember that little line? When man works... Man works. When man prays, God works. And so I see many a prayerless ministry. It's no wonder it squeaks and you hear the, the engine running without oil. It just said, Wow, what is there about that person and that ministry? There's no oil. There's no oil. The Spirit is not in it. Christ is not ended, prayer is not ended, but they must do the work. And nothing really gets done. Sometimes you can work without nourishment. Jesus said, you've got to be living on the Word of God daily. You know what? I have to say, be in the Word of God without preparing a sermon. So I'm reading the Old Testament, three chapters a day. I'm in Isaiah, just finished Isaiah 52 this morning. About to come to Deborah's chapter. 53. Because I want to hear God talk to me without me producing a sermon for you. Did you know it's possible? Or what would you think of these news lines if it came out in the paper? Hotel cook for the Hyatt dies of malnutrition. Occupation cook for 30 years. You say, how can this be? You can work in the kitchen without ever eating the cooking. 
And you can hang around church work and never be in the Word of God. We'll make it so. As long as you do some work, we can find some way to use you. But you'll starve to death. And all of a sudden, the heart becomes uh, weary. And you start losing your way. And I have to say, finally, we become impatient with God's timing. He said, you'll reap in due time. I've seen single women do this. They wait on God for a husband. When they couldn't get one, they went out and got an unbeliever. They got married because God wasn't quick enough. And now they've got to live with that choice. You know, God, you've got to hurry up. Abraham, the old father of the faithful, he and Sarah were into that. You've got to hurry up, God. You said you're going to give us a baby. No baby? Hagar, get over here. We can get a baby. Yeah, you're going to get a baby, and you're going to get a lifetime enemy because you're going to father the Ishmaelites, and they're going to hate you forever. Wait on God. Wait on God's timing. And if you're here today and you're weary and you're losing heart, Jesus said, I would that men pray and not lose heart. Same word. I must say, you're not weird. You just must be investing your life. And part of the, the toll of it is weariness, loss of heart. I cannot tell you what one negative comment does to me in the church. I quote Spurgeon, he said, A year's worth of labor can go up with one traitorous act by Judas or one Ahithophel who counsels against me. He said, One disgruntled spirit that turns to tear on me can undo six months of labor at my church. It's a dangerous thing to preach to a bunch of people who all of you can get in the flesh this week and work nothing but havoc. So, we must look to God to see that we don't lose our own heart. Especially in these days when I see relativism, truth doesn't exist, hedonism and the love of pleasure, and people too busy trying to survive life, and we want to run the church on volunteers whose tongues are hanging out, exhausted raising kids and putting in 50-hour weeks in commuting, and we wonder where the volunteer army, where can we get them? And the younger they are, the harder they are to recruit. Because we fight the weariness, but let me say, you can only invest in one of two fields, the flesh or the spirit. And the spirit will have you invest in people, share the fruit of the spirit with people, loving kindness, that's where he wants you. Did you know that walking in the Spirit will make you care about restoring fallen saints? I have appointments booked in the next few weeks, and they're just booked with fallen people. They're too ashamed to make the appointment with me, so I've hunted them down to make it with them, because I'm going to try to set them up. I don't want them to lie in the manure of a bad choice. You've got to set the sheet back up. He finally says, by the way, share your life with all men. Be good to all men. Christians are not to be mean-spirited people. Sometimes we stand for unpopular 
causes. If I'm meeting with an abortionist, I want to say, I am a thousand percent against what you're doing, but Jesus loves you enough that he wants to save you. Be good to all men, even your neighbor. But they're not Christians, maybe all the more. Wait till a Christian moves in. Some of them never mow the lawn, you know. They get rowdy. And then you can't sue them because you're a Christian. So always pray for an unsaved person. You can sue them. Be good to all men. To the unsaved people you work with, know you love God and that you love them. It's not enough you tell them how many services you attend. They see the spirit you bring to that job. They see that you don't care their mother died. You don't care they just had a baby. We could be the most impersonal, pompous, self-righteous crowd in the world. No, the Spirit-led life will never make you above people. It will make you care for people. I see some of you don't like people because you're not Spirit-led. You've got a lot of stuff in you, but it's not the Spirit. The Spirit makes you love people. I have to say this. I close. I loved it in my dad. He loved people. We used to shop in Richmond, downtown Richmond on 10th and McDonald. Did anybody ever shop? Pat, you did. We used to shop down there. We, we, at Saturday, all the Okies and the Arkies hang out downtown Richmond. And others, really. You just gathered. We walked those streets. We went to the Fox Theater, UA, Arts Record Shop. How many? Uh, man, Dave Smith. We all, you got to be the old-time folks. You got to be the vintage people in this church. We grew up here. You're on our turf, baby. Don't mess. We're Richmond folks. That's where we grew up. It wasn't always the hood. Used to be safe. And we'd go down there, and I used to get tickled because it'd be my dad, Hazel, and my mom. And my poor little short mother, my dad and Hazel would just leave her in the dust because she was short, and they could walk like, they, they ran like deer practically. And they'd get around. But all of a sudden, my dad would be engaging these different people on the street, and some of them you wish we didn't know. Because we went to some of these backside poor churches. They weren't impressive. Hazel, now I can't tell the second service because Hazel will be here, so you're getting this free. Uh, they would rush on. They'd rush on because they want to shop and they didn't want to. But oh, LJ, he'd engage them. And, and he would ask them, how's your journey coming? It was always God. Ha, ha, have you been reading over there in Hezekiah? See, you don't even know there's not a book of Hezekiah. See, you took it, hook, line, and sinker. He'd get talking the Bible with them. And everything. And my mom would say, Lawrence, we don't go downtown for you to engage all these folks we, we go downtown to shop and enjoy. And, and that Sister Jones, I'm not too sold on her anyway. And Brother so-and-so, well, I think he's kind of half here. And she'd have an opinion because she was Irish, you know. Got to blame it on something. Straight shooter. But my dad was afflicted with loving the saints. What about you? Are you a diseased saint? that you're still bitter about the last hurt and you've never healed up enough to ever love again. I want to tell you, I hope your last days and the rest of your life will be spent loving God and loving people. 
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855 833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855- 833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Phil Howard.